The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Uh, Adam, it has been a tumultuous several days for Milwaukee sports. Uh, we won't get into all of the ins and outs of that. It's also been just an <laughs> interesting week for uh, Wisconsin sports in general. And for that reason, Adam, I'll say uh, I'm with the person that I love getting FaceTime with more than anyone. You, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. You know, let's do some, uh, let's do some promo work up top. Uh, if you need any kind of breakdown of all things, Aaron Rodgers, you want reflection on Aaron Rodgers finally being traded to New York jets because of talking to Tundra, our green Bay Packers podcast here on the Eurostep podcast network, new Mac and Jordan broke it all down. Um, by the time most, if not everyone, listens to this, the level of tumult you're talking about in Wisconsin sports in the last week could be significantly greater. Maybe it's you know, maybe there's a ray, ray of light, I don't know. But Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed there, home to all things books, Eurostep with Ty and Rowan, winning six with myself and Jordan, tread the playoffs, however long that may be for the books. Uh, we 
we team up as much as we can, we cross over. So whatever has happened in game five of Books Heat, go to your step podcast network and there will be a books podcast there for you too. But of course, Andrew, we are here to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, the team that, well, I mean, the Packers, they're fine. They, they don't have to their season starting for a while. They've, they've got their trade out of the way. The draft's coming up. Um, but the Brewers still feel like the team with the most kind of clear road, blue skies in front of them. They just are, they're dealing with an injury bug to say the least. And I think that's the only thing that is raining on our Brewers parade right now. Yeah, they're going through uh, the wave of a baseball season. And I think obviously fluctuation in player performance and people slumping and and especially the rookies getting used to playing Major League Baseball is one aspect. But the biggest thing is just guys getting hurt and being out of the lineup and uh, and out of the rotation, obviously. They have dealt with a lot of uh, IL stints to start the season, starting with, I think the first one was probably Aaron Ashby and Tyrone Taylor, then uh, Luis Rios, Brandon Woodruff, Garrett Mitchell, uh, Matt Bush, all working their way in. So because of that, we will start... Um, with our favorite segment to do let's catch up on all the news and notes that the brewers are are going through and we'll start with uh you forgot that are you forgot Adam. gus farland too just i don't want to yes. i don't want to shorten the the il woes for the brewers in any way there's probably others we're also forgetting um there i mean there's someone who's not not up on the major league roster which we'll get to who could have been yes. but instead it's dealing so it's just it goes on and on and on so let's go through it Let's start. So the first thing we'll start with is obviously we ended uh, last podcast by having to talk about the way that the Red Sox series ended, which was with a disaster eighth inning from Matt Bush and Javi Guerra. Uh, And Matt Bush has been added to the 15 day IL with what's being described as right rotator cuff tendonitis. Uh, Bush's velocity has notably been down this year. He struggled with command and obviously has not pitched well this season and now uh they'll give him some time on the shelf probably i would assume a rehab stint after that to see if sitting out uh helps oh yeah yeah they'll they'll give him a rehab stint adam they, they have to don't shake your head at me please god i want to see him in nashville before we see him back on this big league roster i can't handle it uh but yeah for initial thoughts about matt bush going to the il Uh, initial thoughts are I don't want to see him back. <laughs> They're my initial thoughts. It's as simple as that. Um, I don't know. Is this a kindness? Is there something merciful about doing it this way? Or then are they not actually doing it this way? And they're like, you know what? We think he needs some time. We need to work on this. And let's bring him back and see what he's got. I mean, to me, the answer is kind of quite clearly at this point. Nothing. And I would like them to come to that conclusion. Maybe they have. Maybe they have. We'll see. We'll see. I don't. I don't think they have. But I. I stand by my. He will get a rehab appearance in Nashville before we see him back in Milwaukee. And when I'm wrong, I will drink an entire bottle of sport wine on the podcast as, as punishment. Uh. There's a can I just got there's a there was a Todd Rosiak tweet. Now there's no quotations here, so there's some parsing out of 
I guess, what's direct language, what's editorializing from Todd Rosiak, but it does it does bring what Matt Bush said into this. So this is obviously to some extent based on conversation with Bush. Um Rosiak tweeted, plan is to shut Matt Bush down for two to four weeks to rest. Is yet to see the doctor. Velodrop was apparent since last year, and Bush said that along with shoulder pain, let him know something wasn't right. I mean, this was not a guy who was a lockdown reliever late in games last year. If if that's something that Bush himself is saying, or if that's something that's come from the Brewers and that it was apparent since last year, I don't know why he was back this year. I just don't really get it. Don't understand it. I wouldn't mess around with it anymore. And you know what? Like Part of that too is, particularly it, always in baseball, but particularly right now with the way the Brewers are cycling through, guys, two to four weeks is a long time. A long time. The Brewers could find answers from within their own system by then, and it could be something that doesn't even have to be discussed. If they haven't found answers, maybe he gets another chance, but I just, I would like to think that ship has sailed. I just don't think it's going to come back. Uh, unless he's shut down for the season with injury, I don't think they're going to designate him for assignment. I think they'll give him some rehab uh, innings in Nashville and then put him in a low leverage spot. So uh, normally, Adam, uh, you're the one to dash my dreams and, and not, I'm going to dash your dreams here. But uh, yeah, uh, in his absence, an old friend has been been called up to the big league roster. Uh, Jake Cousins has been recalled. We'll talk about him a little later. Uh, another roster move that was made, <laughs> the other participant in that uh, disastrous inning was Javi Guerra. He was designated for assignment, and Alex Claudio was added to the 40-man roster and then um, called up to Milwaukee. He did not have a long stay, something else we'll also get into. Uh, yeah, this was an off-season flyer that, Matt Arnold took because of the stuff, because of the tantalizing slider, but Javi Guerra just could not throw strikes. I'm um, five strikeouts compared to nine walks to start the season. And if he's not going to locate, then that devastating slider really doesn't mean anything. We'll see if he ends up getting to Nashville or if someone else takes a flyer on him. But with guys like Tyson Miller, Elvis Paguero, Jake Cousins knocking on the door, I think they just decided they couldn't afford to you know, take the risk of putting him into games anymore. Obviously, it, he had kind of been pegged for low leverage situations once he started struggling early in the season. And uh, that was kind of that. The last straw was not being able to to clean up the mess uh, against the Boston Red Sox. And uh, now Javi Guerra is off the roster and someone else is going to get a shot. Yeah, he, he hadn't been used in a full week before being brought in in an attempt to clean up Matt Bush's mess against the Red Sox. And at the time, I thought, that's a little bit weird, particularly how thin the bullpen has stretched through a lot of that spell. I guess it's as simple, though, as <laughs> if not upstairs, Craig had obviously made up his mind, and you know the wider staff had made up their mind of, no, we're not. This isn't the situation for Javi Guerra. This isn't the situation for Javi Guerra. This isn't. And that goes on and on, and I think eventually maybe just there's a realization where it's like, okay, if there's no situation and we keep having to play Hobie Milner every single day, maybe we should get rid of Javi Guerra and try to find someone else who can come in and possibly help. 
So maybe that's how that decision was arrived at, and it certainly wasn't made any more difficult by Gare's absolutely disastrous. Yeah, I, I mentioned at the time, I will stick, I think he was unfortunate. I don't think that's a nice situation to inherit when you are going through a tough time. Um, maybe he was slightly, you know, left out there to dry by the Brewers if they had doubts about him. Or like, oh, here's your chance. But uh, it seems like minds were already made up um, based on where his opportunity was coming or the lack of it more accurately in the, the week before that. Yeah, I think what you're saying there about his usage is is really what tells the story. They decided he was someone that could not be relied on, and so they weren't going to rely on them, rely on him unless they absolutely had to. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, they just couldn't wait anymore. And I think we'll get to this later, but some of the guys that have been showed some opportunity in his absence seem to be getting off to nice starts. Um, we'll keep. Continuing down the bad news train, um, Garrett Mitchell got his second opinion uh, on his shoulder, and it's confirmed that he will need surgery, so he is likely out for the rest of the season. That's a a big blow to the Brewers, as we've said. Um, and yeah, I don't think we have too much more to add on that, just because we've we've kind of seen the writing on the wall going into this. But someone who could factor into the outfield mix. Uh, with Garrett Mitchell out of action is going to be out of action himself. Sal Freelick out six to eight weeks after uh, thumb surgery. Uh, when it rains, it pours Adam. I think uh, it was still going to be some time uh, or at least a few weeks until we saw Sal Freelick because, you know, during this initial roster shuffling, uh, Blake Perkins was called up first because he was on the 40 man. Um, I think eventually we would have seen Freelick. Eventually we may still see Freelick if, he heals um, from this injury, but yeah, no more jokes about the injury segment. Cause I just hate it at this point. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's just grim. Like it's, I, and honestly, you know, listen, I hope you heard that. I was me knocking on wood because I don't want to take any blame for this. There's only so bad this can get. I think they're really pushing the limits of what the universe serves up to any team at any one moment. I hope that stays true. But they've been pushed into all kinds of situations that are far from ideal. Um, We've seen the ups and downs that Joey Weimer has had. We're seeing Bryce Turan get his share of that now, where I think you're looking at two guys there where it's like, if not that, oh, you know, it wouldn't hurt if they were back down in Nashville. It would at least hurt less if you could afford to give them more days off with the Brewers. And it's just not the situation the Brewers are in. Like, particularly Weimer. Now Weimer is, you know, you've got, you are an everyday starter in the truest sense of the word because we just can't find too many opportunities to put someone else out there. We'll probably get to Blake Perkins later. Um, long and short of the story, don't think Blake Perkins is it. Um, so <laughs> Joey Weimer can struggle at the plate all he wants. He is going to have no worries about Blake Perkins kind of um, drinking his milkshake. So the wait goes on. Turner Taylor is back and doing stuff in Nashville. So I guess it won't be long until he comes back in the mix. Something that I wasn't really looking forward to, to be honest, early in the season when everything was humming along nicely. 
But right about now, it sounds pretty good. It's like, yeah, okay, Tyron Taylor is better than the alternatives. Let's just hope that, if nothing else, the injuries stop. I mean, we, we don't need more and more. If we could just get some respite, things can start to trend in the right direction for a lot of these guys. That would be a nice development. Obviously, some are more significant than others. Some were more eagerly awaiting news on Brandon Woodruff probably being at the front of that list right now. But just getting healthier all around would be such a colossal boost to the Brewers, who are in a very good position in the standing still, even though it feels like injuries are finally catching up with them. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Tyron Taylor has begun his rehab assignment with the Nashville Sounds. Uh, I think he will probably have played a, a second game by the time you're listening to this, but his first game on April 25th, he went two for four with two RBI. Uh, like you said, we weren't excited about Taylor being in the mix to begin the season. We were excited about uh, Weimer and Freelick and Mitchell potentially getting opportunity. But at this point, like you said, they just need the depth and they need, I, I, I personally think their best defensive formation, we'll call it, is with Brian Anderson at third base. I think he's been excellent there. Um, and obviously his arms playing in right field as well. But if you have some sort of mix of Tyrone Taylor and and Weimer in the outfield with Brian Anderson back at third most days, I think that's probably for the best for your uh, defense. And we know what we're getting with Taylor. I mean, he's a guy that's going to strike out a lot. He's going to hit some home runs. He's going to give you solid defense. The on-base percentage is not going to be uh, stellar by any means, you would assume. But uh, at this point, they just need <laughs> warm bodies that can play in the outfield. And I think uh, Taylor could provide them uh, a boost as we wait for maybe Freelick at some point to get added into the mix. Um, but of course, that thumb injury throws that into doubt as well. Who knows when that will happen? Uh, I think the last bit of roster news we have to discuss is something that happened before today's game. Uh, Alex Claudio, who only re uh, recorded one out in this series after being called up um, to the big leagues, uh, has been sent back down and swapped out for Tyson Miller, uh, who was having a really good start at Nashville, um, a guy that we talked about when we were talking about the musical chairs within the bullpen uh, at the end of the last podcast. So Tyson Miller will factor into the mix, maybe uh, a multi-inning reliever, uh, which the Brewers seem to have a bunch of <laughs> so far to start this season. Uh, I'm excited to, to see what Miller's got, and I, I think uh, you were as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the more promising guys in Nashville that it feels like could come up, could contribute. And I guess what the Brewers need to find this season is like, okay, um, who are the 2023 Peter Streslecki and Hobie Miller? Who are who are the guys that are kind of on the fringes getting an opportunity that they're going to come up, they're going to grab up both hands, and they're actually going to become some of your most reliable bullpen guys and carry over into next year where it's like, yeah, we trust those guys. So that's kind of what they're looking for, and maybe someone like Miller could be a candidate to to get up, hopefully pitch well, and then break out in that way. Um, That's probably a lot to ask, but it's possible. I mean... The more reliable pitchers within the Brewers' bullpen are evidence that it, that is possible. So I guess that is part of what 
if this season is going to pan out in a really positive fashion for the Brewers, they probably need to find if those guys exist internally within their own system, they need to get them to the Brewers and they need to have their, their opportunity. I think there's a few few different guys that we'd look at as, you know, by the end of the year, they could be people who um could pitch and you could trust to pitch in even pretty high leverage games. He's one that the opportunity has come now and I hope he takes it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's a perfect transition to talk about this series against the Detroit, Detroit Tigers, Adam. Uh, a spoiler alert, the the theme of this series was the batch being quite cold and the bullpen being very good. So let's get into it. The first game of this series was on Monday night. Matt Boyd on the mound for the Tigers against Colin Ray. Uh, William Contreras uh, gets things started in the first inning by hitting his first homer of the year. Nice to see Contreras tap into that power stroke, at least in that at bat, something that we'd been waiting to see um, in the third inning. Uh, the Tigers would answer back uh, going through this roster was just like a who's who of people I did not know existed. And that made it all the more painful. Nick Maton hits a homer off of Colin Ray. It was a three run homer. It makes it three one in the third bottom half of the inning. Mike Brasso would answer with a homer of his own. And then in the fifth, Riley Green grounds into a fielder's choice um, to make it four to Detroit. Colin Ray pretty much gives you what you would expect from a Colin Ray start. The biggest issue with the start in this game was just piling up walks and and not being able to to get out of that third inning or that fifth inning without uh, allowing a run. Five innings pitch, five hits, four runs. They were all earned. Four walks, like we said, and just one strikeout. The homer in the third, the, the biggest blow of the game. But overall... You go into a game, you only allow four runs. You expect this team to to get a win. Uh, Bryce Wilson comes in in relief of Colin Ray, goes two scoreless, just one hit, four strikeouts. Uh, <laughs> Wilson just keeps coming in and putting up zeros. Alex Claudio relieved him, recorded one out, allowed two hits, and then Jake Cousins came in to finish off the game, one and two-thirds innings pitch. A pair of walks, but three strikeouts, that slider-sinker combo for Cousins uh, was doing what we remember it to do <laughs> from last season. Glad to see him healthy and back into the mix. But overall, the Tigers' bullpen just shut the Brewers down. Five innings from Boyd, five hits, two runs. They are both earned on the, the solo homers, one walk and eight strikeouts. And then the Tigers' bullpen fires four scoreless innings. 
uh, can't do much to win a baseball game when you only score two runs. Yeah, and that that's the problem. I mean, as you said, Colin Ray basically did what Colin Ray does, which I'm going to continue to tip my hat to him. If he's like a four-run or less guy every start, you're always going to have a chance to win his starts, and it's not his fault when you come out of this game with two runs and you lose. I mean, he's doing his part through five innings. You mentioned the timing. Four, four walks overall is not completely disastrous for him. He just happened to really pile them up in quick succession, and things got scary in a hurry and even i'm gonna forget now who exactly it was timing again though failed him with the homer because um the tigers had loaded the bases i can't remember who was a third who slammed on the brakes decided not to test brian anderson's arm and whoever was on second had already gone, got caught in a rundown between second and third, leaving just runners on the corners, and then two outs, which gave Colin Ray a really good opportunity to get out of the inning without any damage. And then right from there, Maton steps up, it's a home run, and it's a three-run homer. Like, if you get out there, he's likely giving up one run, and the Brewers have a very good chance. I won't just take the literal, oh, well, they scored two runs, that would have been one. We don't know how things would have played out, but they would have had a really good chance to go and win the game, would have been in good position. So it was just that he had one unfortunate spell where the walks piled up and he further compounded the poor timing of all of that by with two outs and a bit of a lifeline handed to him by some sloppy base running by the Tigers. He then decided to give up a homer. Yeah, it felt like a big break at the time. Um, when on that Javi Baez single, um, Akil Badu uh, threw on the brakes at third, Riley Green thrown out, um, but they just couldn't get it out of the inning after that. And uh, from there on, cold bats and uh, no fun, Adam. But uh, guess what? They still had two games to play in this series. So we'll move on to game two Tuesday night, Spencer Turnbull against Eric Lauer. Spencer Turnbull returning after missing, I think, last season uh, with Tommy John surgery. Can't say that he looks all the way back, but but the Brewers did not uh, did not quite pile up the runs against him. I thought he was there for the taking. It just did not happen. Uh, the Brewers got down in a pretty deep hole in this game uh, because Eric Lauer continued his Jekyll and Hyde season. Uh, we talked about how good he looked in his last start, go seven and two thirds innings um, to give the Brewers some much needed length at the end of that uh, series against Seattle and a, and a win on getaway day. But uh, today or two days ago, he just didn't have it. Three innings pitch, eight hits, four runs. They were all earned two walks, four strikeouts. And of course the big blow came on the Kerry Carpenter home run in the second inning to make it three, nothing. The, the uh, other run was scored following that on a Spencer Torkelson single. Uh, Lauer's velocity a couple of times ticked back up to 93 miles per hour. In previous starts, we know that he had been compensating uh, for the lack of velocity uh, by throwing his cutter more often. But I think if I remember correctly, six of the eight hits were on the cutter. Um, somebody double-checked that and fact-checked me, so clearly whatever was working well, in they will. Starts was they not. will, Andrew. Don't you worry. Uh, 
<laughs> whatever was working in previous starts was not working here. And Lauer only goes three innings, 85 pitches in those three innings. Um, so yeah, Lauer not sharp at all and put the Brewers in a four nothing hole. But it's not working. Zoom ball's not zooming. Big, big trouble. Uh, there's not a whole lot left then for Eric Lauer. Yeah, really, really tough. It's uh, particularly at the moment you just need Eric Lauer to step up and be really consistent, like he was to his credit for most of last year. Um, this wasn't as bad as it could have been. I don't want to say it wasn't terrible because it wasn't good, but it could have been worse. Um, he got himself in a tough spot in the first and got out of that okay, where it's like, okay, well, maybe he'll steady himself and things will go in a better direction from there, which is, in fact, the complete opposite of what happened. And, yeah, you just don't need that from him. You don't need someone like Elvis Peguero being asked to pitch three innings because as much as he did a great job with that, it would be nice to be able to use him a little bit more frequently at the moment, given the situation you find yourself in, given the fact that he has started incredibly well um, to life as a brewer. But yeah, it's... I mean, are we alternating good and bad starts now for Lara? Does that mean the next one will be good? I'd like that. I know the early kind of... All the beat writers were kind of a flurry early on about, oh, his velocity, you know... It's the highest we've seen from this year, and then, oof. So, I I don't know what you could do with that. You just they need Eric Lauer without Brandon Woodruff there, with no Aaron Ashby available, with Adrian Hauser still not quite back yet, although we're getting closer. Eric Lauer needs to step up and be one of the top end starting pitchers on the roster. Yeah, it's uh, Woodruff not being in the rotation, it's a spot where everyone else sort of needs to try and lift their performance to make up for that. And uh, so far it's been mixed results for Lauer. Like you said, alternating good start, bad start. Uh, the Brewers would try to to start a rally in the third inning. Spencer Turnbull still on the mound. Owen Miller singles to right. Joey Weimer singles to center. And then um, a wild pitch would place runners on second and third with no outs. Christian Yelich, ground ball to the shortstop, scores Owen Miller. Jesse Winker flies out. Willie Adamas follows that with a walk, and then Rowdy Tellez grounds out to first. It's 4-1 after three innings. Like you said, Elvis Paguero followed Eric Lauer and was tremendous. Three innings pitch, two hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts, uh, 34 pitches across the three innings, and really helped uh, bridge the game over to the back half of the bullpen to, to keep the Brewers in this baseball game. Uh, Owen Miller uh, would provide an RBI ground out of his own in the fourth inning to make it four to two. Then Rowdy Telez would come to the plate and Homer in the sixth inning to make it four to three. Uh, Yoel Piamps uh, relieves Paguero, throws two scoreless innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, and two strikeouts. The Brewers looked like they were going to stage a late rally to you know really make a, a push to either send it to extras or, you know, potentially win it. Luke Voigt leads off the bottom of the eighth uh, with a double, and then uh, Willie Adamas, Rowdy Telez, and William Contreras strike out in quick succession 
to to snuff out that rally after the Voight double. I call it a rally. It wasn't really a rally. It was one Luke Voight double, but I was just really excited in the moment watching him uh, slide into second base with his jersey buttoned all the way down to the middle of his chest, as he is known to do. <laughs> it, it got me fired up. I said, here's the late rally. You know, they're going to score multiple runs here or tie it up and then hit a walk-off. It was not to be uh, as they would uh, not muster up anything in the ninth. Peter Fezlecki did add a scoreless inning to get them to the ninth inning. Um, also, great story in uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel this week about uh, him, Peter, pitching on, yeah, I think, the anniversary of his father's passing and how uh, meaningful kind of that was to him and his dad in general. So anyone uh, anyone that needs to call your dad, call your dad, because uh, that, that, that one got me choked up at like midnight last night. But yeah, uh, another game where the bats were quiet. Uh, obviously the big hole that they were in early in the game um, was something that was tough. They tried to scratch and crawl their way back, but it just wasn't enough. Although, you know, we're mostly taking away negatives from this series, but great work by Paguero, Piamps, and Trezlecki to keep this a game all the way through. Just wasn't enough uh, offensively. It wasn't. Story to series. Um not even a whole lot there. I mean, I understand why you reacted the way you did to the Luke Voigt double because it was a rally in our hearts, if nothing else, because that's kind of as much as there was. So it's tough. It's tough. It's one of those games. This is the kind of game it feels like we got a lot of last year. It's like, oh, Rowdy hit a homer, managed to kind of craft a couple more runs together, and that's it. And when you do that, you ask a lot of your pitching. And on a night where Eric Larry only goes three innings, you're going to come out with a loss if you can't get more than three runs. But Adam, not all is lost. We end this series on a positive note. I think uh, something across a 162-game baseball season for a team that has their eyes on making the playoffs is stopping the bleeding before it snowballs into something much, much worse. As we saw, I think it was directly after the the trade deadline last year, they go into Pittsburgh and lose four games in a row, get swept by the Pirates, and that sent the second half of their season into into chaos. I think I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, I went on a a Yankees podcast a few weeks ago, and they made me relive that trauma. So uh, I'm assuming uh, that I've got that right. Final game in the series, Freddie Peralta on the mound against uh, Michael Lorenzen, who the Brewers had faced plenty of times uh, from his time with the Cincinnati Reds. Freddie Peralta had the goods, and the team staked him to a lead early. Uh, bottom of the first inning, Rowdy Telez doubles um, to score Christian Yelich, moves Jesse Winker to third, who had walked. Brian Anderson follows that with a single to center, scoring Winker and Rowdy Telez. Love to see Rowdy just powering around the bases there to score, you know. No better sight uh, in baseball. There were a couple times in this series where some guys who you would say aren't fleet of foot got stopped at third uh, in situations that might have been run scoring opportunities, but not Rowdy. Rowdy well, did, kept motor. Did, did you see who his whose coach was waving him on? Uh, other than Jason Lane. Other than Jay, this was this was by this point this was not someone positioned near third base or positioned closer to home plate. It was Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker was oh, okay. full on waving Rowdy in. Um, and from from about the time Jesse Winker ran the third, his primary concern was where's Rowdy, where's Rowdy, and making sure that Rowdy went for it. 
And Rowdy, you, Rowdy took him up on it. Do you know the... So, usually it's the guy that's on deck, and sometimes it can be someone that scores first in that scenario. Do you know the role of that person uh, when they're standing behind the, the base there? Typically would be the on-deck batter. Like, at least in, like, you know, fundamentally sound college baseball, high school baseball, that sort of thing. Do you know their role the, in that situation? Is it to be some sort of extra eyes for a situation like this? Is it to do what Jesse Winker took upon himself? Yeah, they're telling you whether to slide or not. Is the oh, typical okay. like, like are, are you up or are you down kind of a thing? Just a little nuance of baseball. I, I, I forget, you know, this is your second full season of fandom. So you don't see all these things until they happen right in front of you. So there we go. Uh, another tidbit. Um, from then on, uh, the Brewers would continue to score at least until the uh the third inning so victor caratini with brian anderson on base uh hits a home run to make it five nothing brewers after three innings uh freddie peralta would get into a little trouble in the fourth inning um after i believe nick maton reached on an error akil badu doubled to score him uh jake rogers would then single to left to score badu it's 5-2 after the fourth inning, but Freddie Peralta was outstanding. Uh, six inning pitch, four hits, two runs. They were both unearned. No walks and eight strikeouts. The velocity is still ticking up, and he just looks fantastic. Uh, really needed this after the the tough start from Lauer, and uh, great to see Freddie bounce back from uh, a start where he couldn't quite get out of the sixth inning and let the game hang in the balance and instead in this outing he was able to finish off his performance and look great doing it he is maybe uh, you know i should probably take the maybe out of it he is the brewer who so far into season you could probably have most fate in him getting to the kind of five six inning range um i've known that the corbin will balance that out and take that title Brandon would have certainly had it before he went down, but of guys who we're seeing start to start, Freddie's doing a really good job of just sticking around deep into games and pitching really well. As you mentioned, velocity is trending upwards. His stuff looks great. Some really nasty curveballs that I was very, very impressed with in this. And he just seems to be doing a really good job of getting outs. And in this occasion, getting them when he needed them most, because we did we did talk in the past about some of his two out struggles. Yeah, also the the change up away to left handers, uh, he had that working as well. It just seemed like, other than that fourth inning that of course was aided by um, uh, an error in in right field, he was locked in, and uh, you'll love to see it. Um, relieving him would be Bryce Wilson getting a taste of a. A high leverage spot um, in a 5-2 game uh, allows a leadoff double and then records uh, a fly ball to Joey Weimer in center field. Akil Badu uh, decided to tag up and go to third base and Weimer very nearly threw him out. Bryce Wilson then strikes out the next batter uh, before being removed from the game. Hobie Milner comes in uh, with Badu on third, gets out of that inning, gets one out in the next inning and then allows a hit was then relieved by Peter Strzelecki, who would go two-thirds of an inning with a strikeout. Um, the Brewers would get another run in the eighth inning. Joey Weimer with a home run to right center field. He also had a double in this game. Joey Weimer's 
starting to put together some hard contact. His single, I think, in the and another game in the series was a little more lifted. So I, I know one thing that uh that had been noticed is that Weimer needs to make harder contact, start stop topping the ball and and ground pounding the ball into the dirt. And he seems to have been, you know, at, at least in this series, and he had a good last series. Um, he's been making some improvements there, and it's it's nice to see him just absolutely hammer a ball to center field for the double and then another opposite field home run, which is something that you and I got to see in person during that first home stand of the season. Devin Williams comes into the ninth inning and strikes out one, throws nine pitches, six of them for strikes, no hits, no walks, no runs, no nothing. Brewers win six to two, stem the bleeding, and uh, in this series with a victory before an off day on Thursday. It sucks to, to lose a series to a Tigers team that had lost four in a row going into this that is admittedly not very good, but the Brewers are still 16-9 and nine and have so far not let this snowball into something that's going to derail their season. Uh, baseball seasons are hard and difficult, as the St. Louis Cardinals can attest right now. Um, but yeah, thanks to, to Freddie Peralta, <laughs> the bullpen, and uh, some uh, clutch contributors today to end the series with a win. Yeah, nice to see Joey Weimer hit the ball a little bit better because everything else is really good. Uh, what he could do with his arm, his defense overall, uh, his speed on the bases and out in the field. He's pretty disciplined. We've seen a little bit of regression on that, but still got pretty good strikeout percentage, uh, very good walk percentage. It just comes down to let's see some hard hits and let's see some more success translate from that. So, yeah, good signs here. And let's hope they carry on because it's a baptism of fire for Joey. It's a baptism of fire for Bryce Terang. Um, These guys are being leaned on pretty heavily right now. And they are important players in the lineup basically every day. Indeed. Shall we move on to the Master Brewer leaderboard, Adam? Let's do it. Uh, Freddie Peralta gets to be your six innings pitch. Like we said, four hits, no walks, two runs. None of them were earned. Eight strikeouts and a career-high 22 whiffs. Uh, that was courtesy of the Bally Sports Wisconsin broadcast. Elvis Peguero, three innings pitch, two hits, no runs, two strikeouts. Yoel Piamps, two innings pitch, two hits, no runs, two strikeouts. Bryce Wilson, two and two-thirds innings pitch, two hits, no runs, five strikeouts. Peter Strzelecki, one and two-thirds innings pitch, no walks, no hits, no runs, one strikeout. Devin Williams, only the one-inning pitch, but nine pitches, six strikes, one strikeout, no runs. He hasn't allowed a run all season. He's just been dominant when he's gotten the opportunity. Jake Cousins, back with the Brewers, one and two-thirds innings pitch, no hits, two walks, no runs, three strikeouts. And then picking an offensive contributor was tough. Uh, Rowdy Tellez had his moments. Brian Anderson had his moments. William Contreras had his moments. Uh, but the guy in his limited opportunity who, uh, you know, hasn't played much this season after being primarily the starter behind the plate last year, Victor Caratini goes two for four with a homer, a run two RBI. That homer made it five, nothing, um, in a game that had that not happened, might've gotten, uh, even closer than it did once the, uh, once the uh, Tigers scored those runs in the fourth inning, but that put the game out of reach for the time being and then helped them, you know, not give up a late lead. 
leaderboard through 25 games. Brian Anderson, Bryce Wilson, Peter Strezlecki, Devin Williams with six beers, Willie Adamas and Garrett Mitchell with five, Hobie Miller, Christian Yelich, you all pineups with four, Rowdy Telez, Joey Weimer, Eric Lauer, Wade Miley, Bryce Terang, William Contreras, uh, Freddie Peralta with three, Jesse Winker, Brandon Woodruff, Gus Farland, Corbin Burns, Javi Guerra, Elvis Pagaro, Victor Caratini with two, Colin Ray, Luke Voigt, Mike Brasso, Matt Bush, Jake Cousins with one. And, uh, yeah. Any, any thoughts, Adam, before we look ahead to the weekend? Yeah, my thoughts are to share with the people that you and I are increasingly agonizing over the Master Brewer leaderboard from episode to episode. Uh, is there something wrong? Is there something up? There may be. There may not be. We are monitoring the situation. That's that's all I'll say. We're keeping a very close eye on it. Uh, there's probably some people that we zoom out and we're like, it's like that guy's got too many beers or that, that guy hasn't got enough beers. Ultimately, we overhauled this a little bit after our first season um, because it felt like relief pitchers weren't getting the recognition that they deserved, particularly at the very top end. So I guess we were successful in remedying that. Now that we've got Devin and Peter Strzelecki, is Bryce tied at the top two or he's one behind? I think he's tied at the top two, right? So we've got three of the better relievers for the Brewers this year are all leading. Was there an overcorrection there? Who knows? Maybe. So we'll just we'll keep track of this and we'll see how it progresses. And we're increasingly aware. Part of the, the challenge, and this is just a fun, stupid thing that no one cares about, but then occasionally sometimes people do care about because we do it every episode and we do it over a season. But it gets it gets tough when you're like, okay, Victor Caratini, really great single game in a series versus Rowdy Telez, ugly line, but a homer in one game, bats in a run in another game. Where where do you balance out with all this? We are wrestling with it all the time. Rest assured and um yeah, we'll we'll see how it progresses over the next while, and if if we need to change our thinking in any way, make any tweaks, you'll you'll hear about it in future. But if you've got any thoughts about how the Master Brewer leaderboard is shaping up, maybe it's just right. Like maybe anyone listening is like, you know what, that sounds right. If that's the case. Let us know. That will be good information for us to have because we are looking at it with just slightly inquisitive eyes of being like, is this going the way it should? Does this feel right? Yeah, the reliever thing is tough. We start every episode uh, before we record by me being like, are you sure we need to give one to Bryce Wilson? Is my bias coming into play? And I always give the final answer on him to you just so the North Carolina of it all doesn't come into play. But he keeps piling up scoreless innings and the do-your-job element of it. I don't know. I think we need need some big uh, series from some of these everyday uh, starters in the lineup, and then they can start piling up multiple beers. And then as we get a meaningful sample of baseball, the leaderboard will reflect more accurately the entire, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Microcosm of the season? That's not the right word, but whatever. The we'll opposite, figure it out. It's the, a long the season. The macro. I mean, the, the part where maybe we're overthinking this too is, and maybe the part that has us thinking about it even more is the bullpen blow up, which it's kind of unfair to even paint as the bullpen blow up because it was down to two guys. But outside of that, this is the best bullpen in baseball so far this season. So a bunch of relief pitchers being at the top of our list of, you know, most consistent and best performers is probably not out of the ordinary. Like it has been a key part to the team's success. I guess 
right now between injuries and between ugly outings for Matt Bush, for Javi Guerra, maybe we're just looking at that a little bit more, I don't know, skeptically. But in that regard, the bullpen has been great overall to start the season. So the stars of the bullpen being up near the top of the board probably isn't inaccurate. As I said, though, regular listeners, people who hear us do this all the time, let us know your thoughts. If you listened last year, let us know, are, does it feel better? Does it feel worse? We used to just be, you know, one to two beers. That was the scale. A lot more ones are being handed out. There's, you know, there's a single beer for lots of people week to week. There have been a few twos already. Yeah, I believe there's been one tree, although I might be wrong on that. But yeah, let us know what your thoughts are. Moving on to the weekend ahead after an off day on Thursday, the Milwaukee Brewers were welcomed the Los Angeles Angels to town. Wade Miley on the mound against Tyler Anderson. That's a 7-10 central start. Uh, Saturday, April 29th, 6-10 central start. Corbin Burns versus Reed Detmers. Sunday, April 30th, a 1-10 central start. Colin Ray versus Jose Suarez. Uh, the Angels are currently in uh, their home, actually. Yeah, they're at home against the Oakland Athletics. So far this season, before that final fourth game of the series has been played, the Angels are 12-12, and two games back of the 14-10 and Texas Rangers, plus nine run differential. So just very mediocre, despite having two of the best baseball players on the planet. That's exactly what we expect out of the Angels. They could come in and play a great series and win it, or the Brewers could sweep them in a series where they play a game where Mike Trout goes three for four with a homer. O- Otani goes two for four with two homers, and somehow uh, the Brewers come away with a win. That's just what happens to the Angels sometimes. The variance is all over the place. And uh, I l- look forward to watching the series, and the Brewers take on two of the best players in baseball, even if it hasn't been the best organization. We'll see what happens. Anything is possible. Kevin and Garnett said that. Big test of uh, Wade Miley just kind of falling into we know what a Wade Miley start looks like. Uh, and even Colin Ray to the same extent where we're like, hey, if it's three to four runs, that's cool. You're giving us a chance. Um, maybe that gets put to the test and you got to go up against Mike Trent and Shohei Itani. We'll find out. Really, though, coming out of this series and the last series, Let's let's see some runs. Let's get a few kind of seven and eight run games. That would be something to cure what uh what has ailed the Brewers, who at least are healthy enough to be on the field in the kind of past week or so. Is that the offense is it's okay? It's just a tiny bit slower. And when your your defense is just not quite as shut down as it was because of all these injuries, just be nice to get a little bit more. So. Um, pitching will be key here, of course, against the kind of offense that's there, but also maybe we just shouldn't expect pitching to be the ultimate difference maker in this matchup because you're going to have to score runs because likely Mike Trout and Otani are going to do damage at some point. I think that's all I've got. I found the Eric Lauer stat. Uh, opponents reach base six times against his cutter through two innings. So they might have done it even more, but at the very least, that's how it was trending during that game. Mm, not great. Let's hope um, 
against the Rockies, right? That'll be when we next see Eric Lauer. That things are trending up. <laughs> I hope. I don't like the chorus feel of that all, Adam. Um, not not ideal. Not ideal. That is when we see him next. All right, Andrew. I mean, the one thing I will say on that is the Rockies are terrible so far this season. So we got that yes. going for Eric Lauer, Eric Lauer and the Brewers. Okay, until next time, that does it for us. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, like Cruising for a Bruising. I did the plugs earlier, but again, talking to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. The Aaron Rodgers trade episode is ready and waiting for you. All your NFL draft content will be coming later in the week. Big, big week for all things Packers, so make sure that you are locked in on Talking to Tundra. Likewise, the same applies for the books. Eurostep Podcast Network, that's the main feed here at GSPN. Whether the books survive or have survived by the time you listen to this and are facing a must-win game six to give themselves a chance at a home game seven, or if the season has ended in the most catastrophic, disastrous you know, humiliating circumstances one way or another. Your set podcast network feed will have the celebration or the therapy that you need. So don't forget to check that out. Last by no means least, make time for this place where Andrew and I talk all things pop culture, movies, TV, all that kind of stuff. Make sure you subscribe if you just want more Andrew Snyder and Adam McGee in your ears. Until the next time. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Freddy Peralta. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.